Hey listeners, before we get started, I want to point you in the direction for a great resource for any midwife, birth worker, anyone looking to branch out and be an entrepreneur. Check out midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. She has several resources on there as well as some courses. If you sign up for a course, use the discount code journey20discount for 20% off. Go check out midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. Okay, we're back for another episode of Journey to Midwifery podcast, and today I have Emily Walden. She's a certified nurse midwife, so say hi, Emily. Give us a intro. Tell us about yourself. Hi, Amber. Yeah, I'm really excited. I am um, a newbie. I am about two years out of school, two and a half years out of school, and um, I am now officially a rural health midwife, and it is, I never imagined that my story would take me here this far, but um, I have labor and delivery experience. I've kind of gone through a ginormous route of education to get to where I'm at right now, um, kind of a long about route, but um, it has definitely added to my experience level and what I bring to the table. And so I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, we, I'm excited to hear and share your story. So, so easiest place to start from the beginning. Why did you want to be a midwife? What brought you to that thought process? Yeah, so I, and it sounds so cliche when I say this, but because I think a lot of people say this, but um, I just knew from a very small age that I wanted to be a midwife. And originally, I kind of thought that I was going to be an OBGYN and I was going to do more of this, you know, doctor role and have all this respect and, you know, kind of go through that um, path, but it all changed when I was pretty young. Um, one of my, it was a family friend had a home birth and her midwife and doula plopped this placenta out into this basin that they had me hold and showed me this cool organ. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, I want to do that someday. And um, so, yeah, so it just, I fell in love with women's bodies and how amazing we are and babies and pregnancy and just how we can sustain human life and continue that whole unity of a family unit. And it just, I fell in love with it. And so as I got older and I went through different stages and different pathways, um, I kind of found myself and I was able to 
see that midwifery was really my true calling. And so, like I said, I kind of started off kind of non-traditionally in the sense of um, when I got out of high school, I was told, you know, you're not smart enough. You, your GPA isn't good enough to get into med school, which thank God, I mean, at the time, my GPA was fine, but um, thank God that that happened because I ended up going into um, just uh, vocational school and doing phlebotomy. And so I started out as a phlebotomist and got married. I had children. um, And my first baby was actually with a nurse midwife in a birthing center, kind of attached to a hospital in Ohio. And um, I just, I loved everything that she did for me. I was super scared. My mom was in another state. um, And I thought, wow, I want to do this. And so um, after I had my baby, Uh, About six weeks postpartum, I decided I was going to go to nursing school. So I went to get my ADN. And so I went and did a pretty quick, fast track uh, ADN program. My husband was deployed at the time. And so I relied a lot on my mom to help me out and um, got through nursing school And my internship, my last hurrah of my ADN program, I landed a spot where I had had my baby and worked with the midwives, got my doula certification through DONA, um, and loved every minute of it. I loved the surgical aspect of it, believe it or not. I loved the newborn care. I loved the lactation piece. We were an LDRP, so we, we, I mean, we did everything as nurses. And I loved being at the bedside. I loved working with our midwives who, at the time, there was six or seven of them. And um, they were doing water births, and we had a holistic birthing suite. And it was just, it was so cool. And um, so I did that for about two years, had another baby, and my husband went again away on deployment, and I decided I was going to get my bachelor's pretty quickly, so I did that, and then that enabled me time to where I could go and teach, so I did some clinical teaching, and um, I actually taught for my um, alumni school, so that was kind of really interesting to do kind of give back. And I only did OB clinical. I've only ever done OB nursing. And so it was really fun to be able to teach. And I kind of fell in love with that. So I thought, well, you know, why don't I go and get my master's in teaching? And eventually I could always go and be a nurse practitioner or I could be a a midwife. So I did this is crazy now that I say this, but so I taught clinical for a year and then I got into a fast track uh, program and I did my master's in a year online through the University of Toledo. And um, I got my master's in nursing education and I went back and taught full time for my um, school that I was teaching clinical for. And I helped kind of revamp their OB curriculum and just really submerse myself in teaching the next phase of 
nurses that were coming into the profession to fall in love with OB. And so, um, I, of course, I got bored of that. <laughs> so then, then I decided, you know, um, I think I'm going to go back to school again, and I'm just, I'm going to do what I originally have always wanted to do, which is be a certified nurse midwife. And so I did a postmaster's cert through Case Western in Cleveland, and um, it was an amazing experience. I worked, I worked for most of the time, um, actually high risk anapartum. I kind of transitioned out of um, our LDRP nursing um, and went to more high risk tertiary stuff, which was really outside of my comfort level because it was a lot of med surge, um, which I hadn't had experience in. So it was, it was actually kind of completing the whole circle for me. Um, and I made some really amazing connections and really amazing um, lifelong sisterhood and mid-motherhood connections and um, finished out my program there. And then I got my first job in Des Moines. So um, it's been quite, quite a crazy past, I don't know, eight years, nine years. I feel like I've been in school forever. Um, but yeah. Well, before you tell me about your, um, career transition, I just wanted to touch a little bit about on Case Western, because there are people out there that are going to want to know how does that, how does their program work and how was it managing working motherhood while going to school at Case Western? Huh. Oh gosh, the whole, I mean, looking back I, I've kept planners for everything I'd write. I'm a big writer, so I write everything down. And looking back in some of the years of my planners, like all my work schedules, color coding for, <laughs> for different places that I worked at, like three different hospitals at one point, teaching, you know, another two, um, doing, you know, family stuff. Um, it was really, it was really hard. Um, but case actually was kind of unique. I, I knew I didn't, I had already done um, a master's program online and as convenient as it was and good as it was, um, I felt like midwifery really, I needed to touch, see, feel. And also too, um, I didn't, know this going into it at the time, but I was the only one with nursing and OB experience. Um, so I ended up being a real, um, a real participant in my class in helping my other soon-to-be sister midwives um, kind of navigate, you know, the language that OB has and, and all the things that come with um, being a nurse and, um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was definitely really difficult, but I think Case's program did a really good job at, um, now I can only speak for, I was, I was really only there for the clinical portion because it was a postmaster certification. Um, but I can really say that they worked really well with, life, you know, when things happened or inclement weather happened, or if you maybe weren't quite, 
getting a particular concept or a class. Um, they, it, it was very small and intimate, but it wasn't online. It, there's parts and pieces that were hybrid, but for the most part, it was very hands-on and it was very well-rounded. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky to have gone through such a program that gave me an infinite amount of experience. So like for my primary care class, I actually got to do a lot of my clinical hours with a family medicine physician who was very holistic and did some chiropractic type stuff through osteopathic manipulation therapy and, and really had a different look, even though he was more medical, um, he really had a different look on providing care. And I learned a lot from him, actually. And then my other half of that class was we were able to go to Guatemala and do a mission trip and get credit for that. And the amount of experience and networking that I got in that trip was beyond my wildest dreams. And it was great because it was it was a week, a little over a week. And, um, you know, I, but this, by this time I've had three kids and my husband really picked up a lot so that I could go and do this. Um, but it shortened, you know, the things that I had to do requirements for my primary care class. Um, I met a bunch of, um, different people in the community too, that I don't think I would have gotten the experience had I had gone through an online school or had I had been trying to find my own clinical spots, that was like huge to, for me to not be able to have to worry about where I'm going to go or, or if my clinical site was going to fall through. They had longstanding relationships with people who were already, you know, accustomed to being a mentor and a preceptor. So um, I really didn't have a turbulent time finding a clinical site or getting my hours or anything. And then from there, I made amazing connections. Cindy Farina, she was working at, um, she's a midwife who was working at the um, health department. So I got some uh, good experience with men and STDs and some transgender and um, just different different clinical diversity situations that I don't think much is really available to students, unfortunately, um, in that time. So it was, it was hard, but it was very doable. And if you can kind of, even though it's a roundabout way, if you can kind of do your coursework, like your main courses like your anatomy, your physiology, your your pharmacology, those types of courses through an online version, the didactic stuff, I think it's it makes it a little easier, at least for me, um, to be able to focus on just what I needed to do for midwifery. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question, Amber? Yeah, it sounds like an excellent university, and I do think a lot of people would agree, and programs are set up in the way you're talking about, that you have, kind of have your core classes first, and then the midwifery-focused courses, for that, those exact reasons you said. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first, first job, tell us 
how you found that and how that all went, how, it, how everything, how it was set up, what you thought. Share it all. Spill the beans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my first job was um, in the Midwest. So I, you know, I was going to Case. I lived in Ohio. I thought for sure that I was, I was actually kind of in a program, scholarship program that was designed to home grow their own nurse practitioners. And so I really just had it envisioned being a certified nurse midwife in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, my husband was actually working also. Um, he was working for the government at the time and he got transferred in like the, my labor and birth. So it was like my last second to last semester of midwifery school. And it was a pretty quick move came in and they packed all of our stuff up and um, moved us out on Nebraska. And if you know anything about Omaha, Nebraska, not dogging them at all, but they're very conservative and they really are not midwife friendly in the sense of there's like eight, seven or 88 I don't know the specific number but it's it's in the double digit um and they are constantly fighting for their right practice and to be respected um and it's very physician heavy in that area of the world um and so I tried desperately to try and find an integration site where I could do my last hurrah for midwifery school, but I, of course, was unsuccessful. So one of my professors in case said, hey, you know, I went to the University of Iowa. You know, Des Moines is hours by car from Omaha. Why don't you just see if you can find a clinical site there? And so I called around. She actually even called, and they had this opening. And it was an unexpected opening. Someone just decided to change courses and not go the midwifery route. And so they had this opening. And so um, at the time, it was a midwife practice. And um, I would say four of them were, um, you know, they'd been there for a really long time. Um, you know, we... Eventually, we ended up calling them the founding mothers, um, and they ran this pretty tight ship kind of a practice, but it was it was really unique because in Iowa, it's at independent practice, so you don't have to be supervised. You don't have to be um, really collaborating with any one specific said physician, um, so it was it was something that I, wow, this is, this is kind of cool, and I remember trying to be something that I just wanted them to like me and I wanted them to um I wanted to be like them even though in my heart of hearts I really didn't and so anyway things went really well and I got again I got a lot of really good experiences by the time I graduated I had like 57 births which was like astronomical um, and it was, it was just, it was fabulous. And they offered me a, 
right out of school. And I remember being so ecstatic because I really didn't, I didn't have to work for it. And I knew that my classmates were really struggling um, because they they were really holding out. They were a lot smarter than me. Um, they were holding out because they they wanted to find a job that they could be themselves. And I just was really concerned about the experience. And so, of course, like I, I have a really personality. So I bumped heads with a lot of people. And, you know, it was to me, it was kind of a breeze my first year. I mean, I had heard other people like, oh, yeah, I got beat up my first year. And, and you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And it wasn't like that in this kind of a practice. Plus, they had at this point when I came on, they had hired another four more people. So we were up to 10 midwives. So it was a pretty big, great, big practice. But we weren't as busy. We were doing a lot of different things for our physician counterparts that really were above and beyond what a midwife should do. Um, I can talk about that a little later, but I mean, I really, I, I just, I felt like because I had such a strong labor and delivery experience as a nurse, um, and really I had such a great foundation for midwifery education, that my first year really wasn't that bad, but I, I really didn't have, looking back now, I didn't have the array. Like everyone had their own niche that they kind of did. Like one midwife really liked to do women's psych stuff. So if I had somebody who had a complex psych thing that was going on, I would dish her off to the person who really enjoyed that. Um, If there was puzzle issues or some older women, they kind of you know, gravitated towards the midwives who had been there for a while. Um, And the midwives who were there in the office who were older, they, you know, really wanted to focus on that. We had who did um, like the biochemistry, bio um, um, compounding and stuff. We had somebody who did that. And so then I said, well, I have lactation and and I'm an international board certified lactation consultant. Let me go ahead and start up a lactation clinic. And looking back on that, I mean, that was, that was definitely a huge task to, to put on myself for the first year, but it really, I mean, my, my other midwife um, partners, they kind of, you know, carried the other things that I didn't necessarily have to pay attention to um, that would, that really was full scope. And so even though we said we were doing full scope in Wifery, we, we really weren't. Um, and so it was just, it was a constant competition battle because it was, we were productivity driven. We had, um, physicians who were very busy, very territorial. It was a giant, large tertiary center. I mean, they delivered like thousands of babies a year. And um, I think at one point we had 17 OBGYN physicians that backed us. And we had two separate physician groups at two separate delivering hospitals. You know, it was just, we had people in orientation. We had people who, you know, broke bones and had to to be on medical leave. We had people who um, 
you know, had a baby or, you know, we're moving or whatever. Um, so there was like lots of moving pieces and it created this, you know, I think everybody was kind of cranky to begin with because we were working so hard and we were doing all of the duties for our physician counterparts too, where, you know, our call shift wasn't just taking care of our patients. Our call shift included helping out our physicians as laborists. So we did a lot of their postpartum rounds. We scrubbed in on their sections. We did their triages. I mean, it was, it was a lot. And so, again, it was great experience. I got, I mean, I think I'd, by the end of like my first year, I was up to like 130 some odd babies, something like that. I mean, it was, it was busy. Um, but I think it, it just, it was partly, it was just, wasn't a good fit. And, you know, looking back on it now, it was, it was a really awful first year, but not awful clinically. <laughs> it was more so awful as in, like, you're starting to really see, you know, that money drives people, that power drives people, that, you know, uh, the hierarchy of, well, I'm an established midwife and I've been here for 17 plus years and this newbie coming on the block and her office visits blow mine out of the water and so I was just naive in the sense of that I thought oh well everyone's just gonna be happy and you know we're generating money for the practice and that that wasn't the case and so I learned a lot (laughs) my first year and um, held into it as as best as I could for my first job but um, it really it really kind of blew up at the end and and kind of ended how I really wanted it to so are you able to share a a little bit about what happened at the end yeah so I had um basically towards once I started getting really comfortable in my midwife and who I wanted to be as a midwife I realized that, you know, a lot of midwifery practices, I think, around are constantly always trying to prove to their physician counterparts that, you know, they are knowledgeable, that they're clinically sound and, and whatever. And so the, the founding mothers of this practice um, really had deep-seated roots and deep-seated clinical connections with the physicians that they worked with forever. And they were very medical. So, And I remember one of the midwives telling me, you know, this is a very medical practice. And if, you know, you can't confine to how we do things, um, then this isn't the practice for you. And it was at that moment that I thought, oh my gosh, like no one told me this in school that there are different degrees on the spectrum of midwifery of, you know, just like there's, you know, nurses who are very, um, you know, lax in the sense of they're, they are able to adapt with 
patients rather than, you know, follow strict criteria and policies for each person. Um, and so I kind of realized that I was in this practice that was very rigid and very, um, almost like physician extenders, and they were very medical. And that was not how I was trained at Case. That was not how I was trained even in my nursing career. I mean, we were doing the, the midwives at my first OB job. They were they were doing water. I mean, they were very influential and progressive and and holistic. And so it was at that moment that I was like, oh man, you know, there's different degrees of crunchy midwife versus you know very medical and very concrete black and white physician extenders. And so. I remember like being really brokenhearted about that. And I really thought I was going to be this change agent. Like I really thought that, you know, these, these midwives who had been in practice for a really long time had only worked at this hospital, um, you know, had worked with these physicians who, I mean, like I didn't the bed for a delivery. Right. And they all sat and, you know, and broke the bed down and cut midline of pieces, you know, and it was, it was just very, I was just like, what? Like, I don't even, I'm definitely a square peg trying to get into a round hole. It just doesn't, it just didn't work. And they knew that too. Um, but they kind of gave me the option to either conform or not. So they stripped me of everything that I had in the office. Um, the lactation clinic coming by the way. Um, and it was awesome because you know, moms come and bring their babies and do weight checks and, you know, maybe get treatment for mastitis or for thrush, or if they needed a tongue tie revision, they could do that at the office. I would do it for them. Um, so it was, it was kind of a, a jealousy thing too. And I didn't really see it as a jealousy thing. I'm sure that that played a part into it. So once I got basically told that I had to not do the lactation clinic, um, I had to, um, they printed out all of the education expectations and training education things for, from ACNM. I forgot, Amber, you, you might know what that is. It's like the, the training. Or, like the core um, competency. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So they yeah. they printed all that out and they um, said that this was you know I had to complete all of these things in observation of um, the founding mothers of the group and um, that I was going to be placed on orientation slash. Um, kind of like a probationary period and they weren't sure how long it was going to be but they were very concerned about how unsafe I was and it was just an awful time and so I really I really thought to myself oh my gosh you know like maybe I am this really unsafe person and you know I'm maybe I'm not designed to be a midwife and so after Doing that for about two months, I was in the home stretch of doing everything that they said. Now, mind you, I wasn't allowed to the word about it because I would get fired right there on the spot. 
And I think part now looking back, I think that they, they were really hoping that I would have just rolled over and said, you know, I'm done. But, um, but I didn't, I really, I really wanted to be a part of the group and I really, I really wanted to be what me to be. And I really wanted to conform. And um, so I was, it was like my second to last week of doing this binary orientation. And I was told a mall tip who was in labor and she was seven centimeters and her water needed to be broken. And there was, there was really nothing wrong with this patient just other than she was kind of just take time and she was, um, she didn't have an epidural. She, you know, wanted to be up moving around. Well, anyway, her water broke it, her water broke and, um, I got her up to go pee and I was, I was with her. I was in the bathroom with her and she kind of just gave me that look like it's time to have this baby. And I knew it. And I said, okay, so let's, you know, kind of move towards, you said you wanted to try and use the spotting bar. Let's move to the bed. Let's move, you know, out of the bathroom. And so we did, we made it, um, to actually like the bed area and she, she kind of like slid onto the bed ish and I mean she didn't fall or hurt herself but the baby was like right there and the just kind of came flying out and she she like grabbed my hands and grabbed this baby out from my hands and brought this baby up and she was crying and then you know her family was there and it was just this like beautiful moment and I was like oh crap I forgot to call like my quote-unquote preceptor for who was supposed to be watching me do all this stuff because I wasn't supposed to do anything by myself and um, and anyway so long story short because I didn't do that that was really not safe and the fact that I brought this tip at seven centimeters to the bathroom to go pee and didn't just let her pee on the bed. Um, they had grave concerns that I was not safe. And so that was kind of like the breaking point that I was just like, okay, fine. You know, if you're going to fire me, you fire me and whatever, but I'm not, I'm not going to just make women, even though they're delivering in a hospital, be the, have them strapped to the bed and, you know, be in stirrups and, all this awful stuff. So, um, so of course we had this meeting and I got put on a probationary type of a leave. And it was at that point that I remember I told my husband, I said, you know, I think I'm done being a midwife after a year and a half. And I hope and pray that there are other midwives out there who aren't this rigid and medical and and awful and I I can't believe I even thought differently (laughs) and he looked at me and he was like no this is just not the practice for you (laughs) and I was like no you know this was just awful I'm humiliated you know um there was so many different things that you know sides to every story I get it but um but it was just it was was heartbreaking it was awful I felt like a failure I felt like my whole family down and I had worked so freaking hard to get to where I was and 
it just, it literally crumbled right in front of me. And, um, so I put in my resignation and, um, I didn't, I didn't get out of bed actually for the first two weeks. And I don't even think I really ate anything. Um, I was just so distraught. And after, so my husband let me do this and then he, uh, he came in to my bedroom and he said, he's like, so, you know, you kind of have to getting another job. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm going to just go be a flight attendant or something. I don't know. Um, He goes, no, like you, this is who you are. And And it's out there. And this is a new opportunity for you to reflect on who you are and who you want to be. He's like, so if you're just going to lay there, he goes, that's fine. But he put this this little notebook next to me and he said, I want you to go ahead and writing down all of the different attributes that you really love about yourself as a midwife. All the things that you really love about yourself as a mother and as a wife and as a daughter and as a friend. And so I didn't do it right away because I, I knew I needed to do it, but he suggested it. So I wasn't going to. So I called my best friend and I said, you know, who's a labor and delivery nurse in Cleveland, Ohio as well. That's kind of how we met. And I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be a midwife anymore. And I just, you know, I, I don't think I want to work in a group practice anymore. And, you know, just what was me? She goes, no, you know, I think you should write out what you, what you want, like write out like what your dream practice would be, write out like what you think wife should be and write out who you think, um, you are. And I was like, fine. So I sat there and it took me a good week because I would, I would kind of like go back and forth and, and then I started to kind of write everything down in more of like to tell my story because I couldn't even speak about it. I couldn't even talk about it um, because I just felt so betrayed and so violated and bullied and stripped of like everything. So I just, I just started to journal and write everything out and, you know, then reread parts of it as much as I could without, you know, breaking down, crying, or wanting to go burn somebody's house down. Um, And I was able to really kind of reflect on what is full scope midwifery? What do I want to do as a midwife? What do I feel is safe? Like I would go and read up on, you know, upright birth and how, you know, gosh, you know, if she were to deliver on the toilet, like how, how would I've been able to um, facilitate those safe birthing maneuvers um, with someone who, you know, is birthing on a toilet. Um, And I just started to like look at the evidence and I looked at, you know, I started to reread some of the um, uh, AC&M journals that had come out and ACOG things and um, some midwifery books. And I like just kind of really saturated myself in midwifery in the sense of like who who is who is a midwife? Like what is a midwife? And um, so after I kind of wrote all these things down, my husband came to me and he was like, "So have you?" Ever? And I'm like, "Nope, haven't applied anywhere." So then I started 
just applying and I applied everywhere and I started asking questions like um so if I had a you know who was going to the bathroom and her water broke and she felt pushy on the toilet and I delivered the baby um, in the bathroom. How would you feel about that? And I put them on the spot and I would use what happened to me that was considered unsafe as part of my interviewing process for interviewing practices. And um, it was actually really healing. It was a really healing way of kind of justifying to myself that, no, I really am a safe midwife. And no, I really do abide by principal midwifery practices and the art of midwifery. And so um, it was really fascinating. And to hear the differences of practices all over the United States was even cooler. And as I was considering going to these interviews, fly you out, and um, this was pre-COVID, of course, but they would, um, you know, you would talk to the different people in the office, like having the first year experience, you could totally tell the dynamics of, of the office that you were going to, or the practice that you were going to, um, just by going in there. And I didn't hold back. I didn't hold back in who I was and what I wanted to be. I wanted to incorporate my lactation skills as being an IBCLC and a prescriber um, and a healthcare practitioner. Um, I wanted to have that because it's so important to me as um, a breastfeeding mother myself and um, just how you know, successful I was in Des Moines with it. And when I left, how devastating it was for the community. Um, for that service. Um, so I just, I really, those were things that were like really important to me. And so um, I had called up one of my um, professors from Case and she's like, you know, hey, there's this, this job opening in Mayo and I think you could really do some great things with the whole lactation piece and your teaching background. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to go big and I want to, I want to be a change agent for midwifery and I, I want to go and, and make myself known. And so I, I passed all of the, the um, prior criteria stuff that you had to do for your um, background check and whatever else for, um, I was in the home stretch of this Mayo Clinic job. And so I thought, well, you know, just to brush up on some of my um, interesting things, I'm going to go and do a couple of interviews around. And um, I actually went out to New Jersey and I visited with Lonnie Morris, who has been um, just an influential midwife um, in New Jersey on the East Coast. Um, and I've in, heard her name. I actually stayed in, <laughs> yes, she is, she's a spitfire. She is amazing. She's an amazing woman. And I, I literally... Um, just submerse myself with her for four days and I got to stay in her house and eat with her and laugh with her and she took me to work with her a couple of times because she really wanted me to be a part of her practice and I told her what had happened to me and I told her my whole story it was finally the first time I could tell my story without crying and without being so angry 
And I felt like I was home. It was crazy. Um, you know, and it literally checked off pretty much every box that I wanted um, to be as a midwife. And I loved her partner, Kate. Um, she, they were just amazing. And so we were doing birth center stuff. And then they did some hospital stuff and a little bit of home birth stuff. It was, it was super cool. So I came home and I told my husband, I was like, yeah, I, I want to do this. I want to, you know, and he's like, okay, yeah, that's what you think, and then, um, you know, he was like, that's literally, like, you know, 12 million miles in the opposite direction, and it's a very densely populated area, it's very expensive, and here's, he's a very numbers crunchy kind of person, so he's got a background in accounting, so of course, he was just seeing dollar signs, and and uh, for an independent practice, from what I came from, that was that was a huge difference in pay. And again, that wasn't my driving factor. But at the same point, like I have literally put through my my family through so much at this point that I wanted it to work. I did, but it just it, it was feasible financially and for what I needed at the time. So that I cried about that. But I'm still really good friends with Bonnie and. She's amazing. She's helped me leaps and bounds. Um, and then I went out to a couple places in Ohio because I thought I maybe wanted to go back to Cleveland. And I interviewed some at some places, some private doctor places. And um, I thought I just got that same awful feeling that I had when I was in Des Moines that I just ignored. And um, I thought to myself, no, you're, you're really trying to force, you're forcing yourself to, to conform again. And no, like, no. But it gave me the opportunity to go before physicians for the first time and tell them my worth. And when they told me what they were going to pay me, I countered and I said, no, this is why I feel like I'm worth this. And um, it was really a great opportunity for me to one of those interviews because I it built it definitely builded my self-confidence but it also really helped me look at the business side of things um, which I had never looked at before and because I had started the lactation clinic in Des Moines I had some billing information so I could kind of speak the financial verbiage that they we're wanting for RVU production, for, um, you know, more of the billing and coding side, what it could bring to their practice. So it was, it was really good for me to do those. And of course, then I came home and I told my husband, no, you know, I can totally be a change agent here. And he's like, no, <laughs> that's not the right place either. He goes, I really think you should, you know, put your eggs in the, to the Mayo, Mayo Clinic basket. And I said, okay, whatever. So um, my last interview was, um, it was labeled as a rural midwife initiation program job listing. And they had like this, how it's a really small hospital and they're started midwifery program and there's family medicine physicians there's no OBGYNs and it's literally in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin and I was like huh all right well I'm gonna apply because I think that again like they're gonna ask me questions that I'm gonna need for Mayo 
that are like how to start up a practice. And I was thinking more along the lines of this lactation piece that I was very passionate about. And, um, and also too, like they really, they didn't have midwives currently. So maybe they didn't know about midwives. So this was the opportunity for me to kind of talk about how great midwives are. And so I kind of used this interview time as like my practice for what I was going for. And so um, I remember we were, I had all of my kids in the car kind of tacked it onto a family vacation. So the kids were in the car, my husband was in the car, and they um, put us up in this, it's called The Lodge in Mostyn. And um, the kids loved it because it had a pool and it was fairly new, but there was legit nothing around. Like Target, the nearest Target was like an hour and a half away. Um, we passed the Wisconsin Dells, so the water park stuff, but that was a good 30 minutes away. Um, and it was it was like the dead of winter <laughs> at this point. So there really wasn't a whole lot to see and or do. But um, I go on this interview and I met with the CNO and she just had the sweetest embrace. So she just gave me this giant hug and everybody, again, pre-COVID, but every hugged me and everybody was like, we're so excited to bring on a midwife. We hope that it's you, but we have no idea who a midwife is, <laughs> what she does. And I just, my cheeks hurt so much because I was smiling because this this literally was a land that had never been graced by a midwife, but wanted it, knew that they wanted it. They didn't know why, but they knew that women were actually going, they were driving 30 or 40 minutes away to some of the other midwives were around um, to go see care, and they were losing patients. And so after I was talking with them, each an individual person in their departments, and I got the full tour. I mean, my, my whole interview was like the whole day. It was, it was really kind of fascinating. And um, with the family medicine physicians and um, talked with who would be later to be my boss um, and now my collaborating physician. Um, it was just, it was like a breath of fresh air, but it was like an enticing, like, I got butterflies every time I was there because, you know, it, it, it was a, it, like a, a brand new start. It was a, a blank page and it was something that, you know, I, I really bring to the table. And um, anyway, so I came back, my husband picked me up at the hospital there and where I had my interview and he, I get in the car I'm not, I'm not, I didn't say anything to him. And he looks at me and he goes, I just want you to know this is your dream job. This is where you were meant to be. And I get teary actually saying that because he said, this is why you went to school. This is why you became a midwife to care for women the way that they deserve and that they they need and they don't even they don't even realize how much of a need they need it but they want that and 
And he said, um, you know, it might not be as fancy Mayo Clinic, the title, and it might not be, you know, very big, but you're going to make such an impact on so many people's lives in so many different ways. And that's what midwife and you're literally going to be with women, hopefully for generations, you know, and, and isn't that what midwives do? And I was just like, oh, then I lost it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love your husband. And you just made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, and I fought him, of course, because I thought, you know, no, like I'm going to Mayo. No, I'm going to do this. No, this is like a little tiny town. And, you know, this, no, we're so there's, stubborn. There's no we're way. so stubborn. <laughs> So um, I hemmed and hawed, and of course, you know, they offered me the job, and I said, well, I want this, 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 and this, and um, they said, okay, (laughs) and so I said, well, I want this, and they said, okay, and so then I said, all right, I'll do it. And um, I remember I called Mayo and I, you know, apologized up and down. And I just said, you know, I'm sorry. But it's not going to work out. I accepted another position. So anyway, so then I got to spend Christmas with my family and I came on board in January. And it has been, again, another amazing experience. And I hate to tell it the entire world right now but my husband was right and um and it's it's so cool (laughs) (laughs) it is it's such a cool thing it's gorgeous here I love my life I love my work-life balance I love the family medicine so there's so it's it's Mile Bluff in Boston, and it's about a 40, 40 bed unit, or I'm sorry, 40, 40 bed unit, 40 bed hospital. It's not critical access, but they're pretty um, mighty for as small as they are. They do, they partner with UW, the University of Wisconsin. Um, but I mean, they've got like just about everything you can think of here and they service nine six counties um and so they're they're busy but they're not not a large tertiary center but never forget the first week that I was here I told my husband I was like again he's he's right on a lot of things but I said to him I was like you know I'm really upset because I'm probably not going to be able to attend a birth and have a baby with someone for at least nine months. And I, I know that and I'm okay. I don't like it, but whatever. Well, um, the first week I was here, the chief medical officer is actually my collaborating physician. Um, here in Wisconsin, you do have to have a signed collaboration agreement, but um, it is very different from some really restrictive states that I've had friends work in and it's very different in rural healthcare too that I'm finding out every day. I learn something new, but um, 
the first week that I was actually here uh, doing my, my job, my collaborating physician, he came up to me and he said, um, hey, so I'm on call next week. And I thought maybe you would want to do some call with me. And I was like, sure. He's like, so if I have anything, I'll call you. I'll let you just kind of take the lead. He's like, but I got to tell you something. I've never watched a midwife or baby. And I said, well, the cool thing is, is that midwives don't deliver. They catch babies. <laughs> so that's going to be different, right? And he said, um, he's like, okay. He's like, you know, we're all really excited. He's like, but, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get someone. Now, mind you, this is a five-bed maternity unit, which is super cool. Super small and nice and homey. Um, and nothing happened the first four days, five days of this call shift. And he, he, they take family medicine. There's five of six of them. They take a rotating call for a week, which I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. But it's, it's really, because again, then pushing out, you know, 50 babies a month to maybe 10 to 20. So, um, anyway, they, um, the, the nurses called um, me and said, you know, hey, um, Dr. So-and-so is out and this person doesn't have an OB provider and thinks there's something wrong. She's bleeding. She's 23 weeks and, um, you know, we, we, we're going to have her come in. So could you come in and treasure or what would you like us to do? And I said, nope, I'll come in and you know, it's probably nothing. And so I called my, my back physician and he said, okay, I'll come in. And I said, okay, cool. I'll meet you there. So I go in and, you know, you kind of have this whole like preconceived notion of like what's going to happen even before you go in there, which is so silly to do because it's never what you think. <laughs> and so I go in there thinking that this is, you know, just going to be like spotting after sex or something. And no, this was not. This was, she was completely dilated and bulging bag and um, about ready to um, have this little 23 and first baby for her. And I remember looking at him and he's like, okay, so you, you okay? Like, do you need anything? And I'm like, well, you know, let's get an ultrasound. We'll call ultrasound and let's, uh, you know, figure out when she's going to have this. And um, he looked at me and he said, well, okay, so welcome to rural health for ultrasound. <laughs> and um, you, he's like, what are you, what are you going to do? He's like, I mean, I'm just here. He's like, I know what I would do, but I'm like, oh, I mean, I was so used to having this giant large tertiary care center and doctors who would literally like hip check me out of the way and just, you know, take over. And here he was just like, he looked at me and he said, this is not Des Moines and I'm not a big mean doctor. And you came from a really excellent training and experience background. And that's why I hired you. And you know what to do. Go be a midwife. Show me what a midwife would do. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I went in 
And I turned down the lights and I took monitors off of her and I put some music on Pandora phone and I explained to her what happened and I held her and I um, basically lent her my strength and I hugged her husband, explained to them what was going to happen and I gave her her options and she, once her water broke, two little feet came out and I thought, uh-oh, it's been a while since I've done a, a breach delivery, yet alone, gosh, a preterm delivery, non-viable. So I um, just let her do her thing, coached her through the whole thing, and out came a beautiful little 23-week little girl. And I remember I her to her mom, and I couldn't cry. I just held her both, and I didn't have anything like up. As I looked over into the corner, my collaborating physician like had all the bouffant on and the gown and all this other stuff. And I didn't, I mean, it didn't break down the bed. And, and it was just a beautiful, intimate time. Yes, very sad, but it was, it was beautiful. And I didn't have 50,000 different tasks going on at one time. I have my cell phone going off. I didn't have four or five different triage nurses asking me for orders. I didn't have two you know, or more physicians coming in and, you know, telling me what I didn't do or what I do or, you know, hip checking me to do X, Y, and Z. It was, it was like, man, this, this is what it's about. And I remember the patient looked at me. She said, I didn't know someone like you existed in the medical field I had this care last year and it was so bright I couldn't see anything and I was drugged up and they were touching me and they were you know it was so painful and and no one explained anything to me and she said and you never you never left my side and um and so then we, we lived the baby together and we just held this little baby who lived for about four months and held dad. And I stayed with them for a really, really long time. And I remember later we met with the nurses, me and the collaborating physician. and We just kind of did a debrief because the nurses, you know, they don't see that very often, especially in a, such a small little hospital they were, they, well, why didn't you cry? And I said, I, I cried on my way home. At the time, it was, it was so restorative for my soul. That this is, the, again, this is why I went to midwifery school. This is who I am as a midwife. And to love on her and her baby and her husband during such an awful time is just, it was just beautiful. And I didn't have 50,000 things going on at one time. And so um, it was at that point that, um, you know, I think the nurses just were like, whoa, this is kind of cool um, that a midwife is here. Um, she, you know, she was a nurse, too, and she gets us. And 
she's different. And so that's what started. That was my first week here. And I thought to myself, oh, gosh, is that like a bad moment or something? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but was it, it's been amazing. And so I think I'm up to 17 days now. Um, we're getting ready to. I just had someone who this past weekend was someone who was very newly pregnant. I got to see from start to finish. So that was kind of cool and she had a beautiful um, birthing stool which they had never used birthing stool delivery on the Kaya stool it was it was absolutely amazing and gorgeous and her husband helped catch this little little baby girl um, and it it was so fabulous and it was just like yes like this this is it. this is where I'm supposed to be um, and just the relationships that I have with family medicine and even Nurse anesthetists and they're fabulous. They're amazing. Everyone here is just so real and genuine and kind that, you know, definitely it's the honeymoon period. I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of it and able to practice true full scope. So I take care of the first 28 days of life. Um, if they want circumstances. I first assist on C-sections. I brought their drapes for C-sections so that moms can watch their babies or if they have a planned cesarean or even an unplanned cesarean. Um, so we're starting to get out and really kind of, because, you know, women will look at you and be like, what? I, I hand out my personal cell phone number to my patients so that they can call me because there's no answering service here. Um, and it's, it's really, it's really awesome. It's really cool. And it's neat to be able to go to the grocery store and see your patients, you know, see other people in the community that you've maybe networked with. I'm really appreciative that you're here and that you have a relationship, work well with them. Wank out here is amazing. There's some breastfeeding. Um, so I'm able to bring lactation clinic stuff here too and help moms in the hospital and outside of the hospital so they can bring their babies and get one-on-one -on -one nursing help so it's it's been kind of neat <laughs> uh you are a great storyteller I was crying on my end um that really that's a beautiful story and I think most if not all midwives as sad as your first story there was can understand exactly what you mean right and it was that is very beautiful and Thank it you. sounds like you're home you're home I mean what yes. an awesome place right and I'm so Amazing. glad that you're here on the other side now to tell your story because you well first of all you're very an insightful person and that was really nice to, to hear you speak about that and um, you've said so many things that people can really, I think, take away from. I mean, the list is long, really. I won't go, Thank I won't you. rehash them all, but, um, <laughs> this, you know, this was so, so helpful. Like, I wish I had heard your story before, you know, when I was Aww. a student, too. So, yeah, 
It's um, been hard. I mean, and these yeah. past couple of weeks, these past couple of weeks have been really tough for me um, because, you know, there's there's things that I mean, we all do this. We all kind of get into our, you know, set ways and what we're doing. And and again, I've had a lot of time to research. I came from some pretty big um, experienced organizations that were game changers. I was in the the neighborhood of University Hospitals, Cleveland Clinic, um, you know, so so big, big heavy hitters for um, obstetrical care and changes in practice. And so with that, you know, there's things that they do here that I'm like, well, have you thought of it this way? Or, you know, um, what about maybe not doing a manual removal of a placenta during a C-section and having what's, you know, a little more gentler um, kind of uh, approach to having a cesarean section and looking at how moms feel and how they feel robbed of, you know, not being able to have that quote unquote crunchy midwife birth that they really, really want. And, um, you know, how can we, how can we cater to them? How can we facilitate um, you know, good practices that respect them and, and what they want, um, as well as, you know, <laughs> rural midwifery. Gosh, I mean, I see adolescents and then I see, I have one cute, cute 92-year-old who has, um, she's on vaginal estrogen and she comes to see me for her quote-unquote vaginal problems and she told all of her little lady friends at Bridge that, you know, there's, there's help <laughs> for, for those vaginal problems that you're having. And so, <laughs> <That's awesome>. so, <laughs> right. But like that kind of stuff scared the living daylights out of me. I had no idea about NAMS and, and menopause and, you know, I didn't really have to worry about that. Um, you know, and just, the crazy things that that happen you have to be able to in a rural environment you got to always think like okay help like true tertiary care level help is about two to three hours away from you so you know you really have to kind of look at the whole picture for you know these complex problems and it's family medicine too so a lot of the things that I have people risk out for for care are more than likely going to risk out for them too. So um, it's a really unique partnership and it's taught me a lot about professionalism. And, you know, one of the, the things that I think was said to me more than once, my first job was, you know, you really have to take time to build those professional relationships and you have to do it the correct way. And, Yeah, you do. But also, too, you have to be ready and you have to have experience in order to talk the talk and walk the walk. So, you know, yeah, that's true to a certain extent. But, you know, if you're not ready for it, which I know I wasn't my first year, um, that that can be like a rude awakening. And so um, now it's really crazy because I'm writing practice guidelines for what I want my practice to look like. And hopefully, you know, maybe next year we'll bring on another midwife and then maybe who knows, we'll be even busier and we'll bring on another midwife. I mean, it's kind of neat to, to be able to see all the ins and outs that one, they don't teach you in school and two, you know, 
to kind of have to pull from your experience, your community, your your mentors that you've made, you know, throughout the years, whether it be different trainings or different jobs. Um, you know, I still have a good uh, midwife friend who she's my mid sister. She was my work bestie. We shared an office together in Des Moines. She since moved on to a, a different practice in in Iowa just before things started happening with me and I left. Um, but we, we talk to each other on a regular basis and we're always talking about, you know, um, you know, our trials and tribulations and what we've learned and what we pick up. She has an excellent, um, uh, blog, personal blog on Facebook called diary of a fat midwife. Like she's just, she's hysterical. She's amazing. And, um, her name's Autumn Larson. Uh, I just, I've learned so much from her. And I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, knowing your community. I've called Ann Conkley, who she, um, she does um, cultivate, cultivate for midwives. She has her own little gig in Cleveland, Ohio. She was a university um, hospital nurse. She was just a midwife. She was, she is, not was, but she is truly a great mentor for me. Cindy Farina, I mean, Gretchen Mettler, I mean, we're talking, you know, Lonnie, I mean, gosh, you know, there, there's just so many people who I would call up and I still call up, um, Jean Marino, she's a woman's health nurse practitioner for, who specializes in, uh, menopause. I call those, those gals up at least Rachel Kay, I call them up Dana Langford. Um, and I'm like, Hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and they're like, no, you do. <laughs> you do. Um, but it's, it's been an amazing first year. I feel like now I feel like a real true first year midwife. Um, because my brain hurts most days today was actually supposed to be just my half day admin day, but I had a pretty, pretty busy weekend and lots of meetings, lots of policy established things and, all these different um, new things that were kicking off. Um, and so I'm just, I'm tired. And so I said today, I was like, you know what? I just, I need a mental health day. And so here I am. So I'm hanging out and just kind of recharging my battery. <laughs> and it's good that you're at a place that you can even do that. Cause you probably couldn't right. before. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, Anne was on my podcast in I can't remember November, October. She's in, she's back. She's back. Yep. So we met her. And I was going to say, you mentioned at the beginning of your story that you said, well, I want to make a name for myself. I want to make, I want to make a difference. I want to be a change agent and not what you picture, but that's exactly what you're doing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more so it's not even, I think my priorities again, were just like, "Mm." No, it's not, it's not about me per se. It's about, you know, women deserve midwives, you know, and that's, that's really what I want the public to know is, is that check out this like little secret that, you know, I feel like the rest of the world utilizes, you know, but we don't utilize them or midwifery in general to the fullest. And again, there's different varying degrees, but but yeah, thank you for that. I mean, I, even if it's just one person, I mean, I count that as a victory and I'm not doing it for, 
you know, the show and the, the attention. I just, it's truly a part of me and, and I love it. I love every part of being a midwife. And there was a time where I really hated the profession and I hated the people who were in it um, because I was just so hurt. But that, looking back, that was only a really small portion. And yeah, it's definitely turned me around. So out of all this, you created kind of an outlet on Facebook that I'm hoping you'll share as you shared with me. Yeah, I mean, you were able to kind of peruse it a little bit, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I saw your story. A little bit of it. This was obviously much more detailed. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 called Midwifing Midwives, discussions, thoughts, reflections and all things midwife. Um it actually funny story. It was it was started because um Gretchen Mettler, I don't know, do you know her through case? She's kind of a No, I haven't, I haven't heard that. She used to be the director of the midwifery program for many, many years. Um Mary Franklin now is is director there, but um, another resource that I call at least a couple times a month. Um, but Gretchen was really, um, she really pushed having us document and write down reflectively journals. So like we had to do it for our Guatemala trip. We did it for our integration, which now I actually, I have it right next to my, my bedside here. Um, yes, I'm in my bed <laughs> because of self-help day. <laughs> um, Yay! I, I, right? <laughs> um, I have my journal from integration and, and I, you know, there's, it was making me laugh because it was, you know, things like, I can't believe she cut a midline of peas and then bragged to the patient that she cuts for four or more a year like it was those like red flags that I can totally pick out from my integration journaling that like why did I even sign up for that job but whatever um neither here nor there I created that Facebook group it's a private group you can if you're a midwife or midwife student and you want to join it um I share some things that I think would be helpful for even a practicing midwife, you know, of many, many years. Um, but it's kind of like a, an online journal for me in the sense of as I'm reading some of my past, like actual handwritten journals, kind of trigger things that I'm like, oh, yeah. So like I made a post about the importance of journaling and, and self-care and having the time for yourself and, you know, have that be a way of rediscovering who you are and, and what you are and what you want. And, you know, maybe even just rereading last month's journal entries when you journal can trigger some different red flags to you, or it can kind of help you progressively move into a different direction or, or whatever. So, um, and I try and put some evidence-based journals and stuff in there too, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it was originally meant and started out as a project for school for this journaling thing, but now it's just, it's kind of healing and people are 
really active on it, which is really kind of neat because I didn't think anybody would really be that active on it. But, you know, it's it's kind of neat to see the participation. So share it and join it. <laughs> Participate on it. Yeah, and I, I can link that in the show notes of this episode if anybody wants to find it. But yeah. I totally agree with you about journaling. I wish so many times that I had. I'm really not good about setting aside time for that. And yeah, from someone who doesn't, I wish that I did so people yeah. should listen to what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I think we're going to wrap up your story. But again, excellent story. You are a Thank great you. storyteller. Thank um, you. Just your tone and the, you know, the way you speak is very, is very well. Um, I felt all the feelings with your oh, story, you know, that like yeah. punch in the stomach when all that stuff happened and oh, devastation yeah. with you and all yeah. the tears and the joy. And so I thank you so much for letting me use this to share that story yes. because I know how much you're going to help people still yeah. not even, you don't thank have to go to you. work for this one. I know, right? <laughs> you get to sit in your bed and help people. so thank you thank you thank you very much well I hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you would like to interview or know someone who does or encourage someone who has a great story or viewpoint to share have them reach out to me easy to find I'm in one place now journey to midwifery podcast at gmail.com the email address is in the show notes and on the podcast page but again journey to midwifery podcast at gmail.com I can't wait to hear from you and share your story